This is the Bagel Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of the Bagel Podcast. Today, I am joined from the gentleman of the Politics As Usual podcast, Mr. TD, Capo, and Reno. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Feeling great, man. Happy to be here. Hey, man. Hey. Excellent, excellent. Listen, now... Reno's been here, so he's a little bit of custom to the show. Uh, today we're just gonna have a little bit of fun, but I do have to start off with uh, with one thing, and that is uh, collecting receipts. Collecting receipts for me is going back to a conversation I had on September 11th of 2020 with my guy Reno, when he asked me, you know, what did I think was gonna happen? with the football season who was gonna win who was gonna come out and uh i can honestly say i successfully predicted that the tampa bay buccaneers were gonna beat the kansas city chiefs in the super bowl and reno what happened last night oh oh, oh. Oh, boy (laughs) (laughs) uh tom brady did it he stayed true to who he was and when we're talking about the goal conversation we have to put respect on his name now that that's that's it and now i i don't want to put you too much on blast but i'm pretty sure you had the baltimore ravens making the super bowl and well we know that didn't turn out too too great but it brings me to a conversation that you guys have had on an episode of your podcast which i do want to get into in just a minute and that is the conversation of greatness now we know that in music uh whether it's r&b hip-hop pop it's really hard to sometimes determine who is the greatest of all times who's the greatest mm-hmm. band of all time who's the greatest singer of all time maybe the producer because there's so much crossover that takes place it's hard to pick just one and i want to start off with you td i want you to tell me when you're having the goat conversation what is it in your mind that determines the absolute great well, to me, I think it's everything i think it's the um, impact it had on the culture whether it made whatever genre it is i just think it's the like did they change the culture did they shift the culture forward were they before their time like you know sometimes i feel like with with certain artists for example you know we we may say they're ahead of their time because the content they put out was so profound it was so like futuristic they kind of you know like they saw the future almost and it's like man this is and what what what's testament to that is you can still listen to that kind of music or you know, that person today, and you're like, yo, this person is really good. And it's like, at this time, it wasn't appreciated. But now, you know, this this is what makes this person the greatest of all time, because their music is, they made timeless work. What it, when, in whatever art form, would maybe art, music, whatever, they made timeless classics. To me, anyway. So, Capo, I mean, you're shaking your head, you're agreeing with TD, and mm-hmm. I want to know, in your mind, what... What makes up the greatest of all time, whether it's, you know, the amount of bangers they put out, whether it's the overall content or as TD mentioned, you know, the effect of the culture. What in your mind is the are the ingredients for being the greatest of all time? At least say everything you just named, a combination of those same things, because you can't be the greatest without sales. By the same time, you can't be the greatest without having an impact on people itself. So I think it's a combination of all those things. Yeah beautiful now reno we've we've had conversations about greatness and sometimes we we agree sometimes we don't agree i mean you guys on the politics as usual podcast have many great discussions and debates in your mind if you had to pick a single greatest artist across any genre of music that you would say encompasses everything you look for for greatness who would that be Keep up coming. It's Mike. It's Mike Jack. Mike. Uh-oh. Okay. All right. I like Undis- that. Undisputed. Undisputed. He has everything from performance to to the songs, like the catalog, um, the persona, the fan base. You know what I mean? Like Mike Jack's the goal. Like if we're talking just music as a whole, I'm gonna give it to Mike Jack. I don't know of a I don't know of many catalogs that can go up against that. Actually, I I personally don't really know of any catalogs that could go up against Mike Jack, and that that's my personal opinion. I know other people on my podcast will have uh, you know different 
you know, they'd be different opinions than me. But, uh, yeah, I'd go Mike Jack. If we're talking about legendary status and what it is to be a GOAT within the music industry, it's Mike Jack. And if, if someone on this podcast doesn't agree with me, just go check his Super Bowl performances. Go go see what happens when he goes to the hotels and they have the ambulances ready for people fainting and everything. <laughs> now, it, it, I agree. You know, Michael Jackson, we were talking about a little bit before the podcast, which comes into like another great sort of conversation because – when you have someone who is so great at what they do, it's very easy to fall in love with what they've done. However, we are now in a an age of cancel culture where something can happen and now all of a sudden we're forced to make a decision of whether or not we can still celebrate the the person who provided so many great things but also did some pretty bad stuff. You know, I joked around with TD a little bit before the podcast and I said, listen, when you're at a club, you're at a party, you're listening in the car with a couple of buddies, the moment R. Kelly's remix ignition comes on, everyone sort of will look around to each other to make sure it's a safe space. But everyone <laughs> is getting down with that track, regardless of you know whatever closet issues are going on or case uh-huh. things are going on. That uh-huh. song comes on and everybody is going bananas. You know, TD, outside of, you know, the remix to Ignition, outside of, you know, Mike Jack, is there another person that you can think of off the top of your head that has maybe a bad rep in the real world, but their music is undeniable? Ah, that's a good one. Who can I think of that has a bad rep in the real world? Outside of R. Kelly, outside of, like, um... Would Tory Lanez be that guy now? You know what? Yeah, <laughs> I guess I guess he would be the modern-day bad guy, you know? Um, because of the recent incidents that you know the the stuff that we heard that happened and whatnot, um, I, I would I would say that yeah, Tory Lanez would be the bad guy of this time. But um, there's a lot of like people that get the stain of of of, of like you know of of a bad per- out, out, like for Bobby Brown for example. Good example. Right? Mm. So Bobby Brown, Bobby Brown mm. for example was was the bad guy of the '90s, but he had hits. He was on stage. His music was raunchy he had all the you know the the edgy music he made it like he made good music but his outside life was you know it kind of gave you a bit of a um people were like look people were more entertained by his outside life than uh than his than his music so i would say bobby brown would be more of a 90s guy that i would say was he he, he, he had a outside persona of a bad guy but his music people loved his music and there was no cancer then, so i guess that helped it was it was sort of like a celebrated part of the culture it was one of those things where like everyone sort of knew what was happening and you just accepted it for what it was there were a lot of people who were also participating in that type of culture during that time as well so it wasn't like it was you know of the it wasn't outside of the norm whereas like there's a country star i can't remember his name uh just the other day um you know had a video taken of him he drops a racial slur and is immediately you know taken on off of all of the charts and he's in the, in no no it was i can't remember his name i don't really know him but i know it came up in one of my work meetings funny enough um but it, but it just goes to show you that you know right now the world is so on edge it's almost as if people are looking sometimes where there isn't something and the moment something comes up it's just like boom here it is let's just jump on the bandwagon it might have been trump just a few weeks ago, you know, when the election was going on and the impeachment, the storming of Capitol Hill, all of that fun stuff. And then they pick a new victim. It's like, all right, who's the next person who's going to be made the example of? Sometimes I totally understand. It is. I, I get it. It's the right thing to do. Sometimes, you know, it's it's it gets a little bit it gets a little bit dicey. Um, but I always I always say that a person's contribution to either society or to sport is going to determine their fate. You know, you have a white quarterback. So I'll use Tom Brady as an example. If, if what happened yesterday in the Super Bowl, where he has an altercation with uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, black safety on the Kansas city chiefs, getting very fired up and says something. And Tyron at the end of the game says, listen, he said something that I'm not going to repeat. And, it comes back to being something of that 
it's going to be a little bit hard to cancel Tom Brady. Let's just I, let's let's put it out there. The, the only way it's easy is because he's at the end of his career. So I could mm-hmm. see it sort of happening. He retires. He walks into the into the sunset. That's it. But if this is Patrick Mahomes, a young 24, 25 year old star of a major sport, it gets a little bit harder to be able to cancel them. They try to find ways to rehabilitate some of those stars sometimes a little bit more than they would someone who either has no skill or someone who's on their way out. Kappa, what what are your thoughts? What do you think when it comes to, to cancel culture, especially when it comes to some of our bigger stars? For me, I think the problem with cancel culture is the fact that people like to pick and choose who, they, who they're going to do it to. And for how long, I don't really like it. Not a fan of it, no. Reno, what about you? What are, what are, you, what are your thoughts on, on, on the idea of cancel culture? I think there's a, there's a thin line, right? So I find a lot, of, a lot of things that we're so quick to cancel is what takes away from like a lot of like the greatest content. that like For example, I'll give you examples. Like old school Bernie Mac and Chris Rock would never survive in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because there are a lot of like great comedians. Like Raw doesn't happen now. Raw can't. Eddie Murphy can't do Raw right now. I mean, there are some of early Dave Chappelle that you can't do now. But he has also found a way to still be able to give it to you. But it's now done in a more productive way i guess like mm-hmm. his monologue on snl where he spoke about a lot of truths he didn't use colorful language but he spoke in a very educated way that got through to everybody that everybody understood exactly what he was talking about uh Ooh. richard Pryor maybe a little bit more controversial with some of yeah. what he was doing back then um and it's it brings to another point we talk about cancel culture bill cosby right like he could have done no wrong he was yeah, he was america's dad he was America's yeah. dad. And now, you know, he's the America's dad. You don't want to be near at a party <laughs> late at night because you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's crazy. Um, but, but, you know, we're in, we're in this world now where, like, that's the reality. And this is the kind of thing that happens. And, you know, right or wrong, we have to be more careful than ever with mm-hmm. what we're saying, how we're doing, because the world is watching. You know, growing up in, in the same generation as you fellas – you know, we weren't predominantly on our phones growing up. And if we were, it wasn't to the same extent of posting pictures or taking videos. It might have been playing like Snake on the old Nokia phones um, or trying to get the Rough Rider anthem on on that phone so you could have one of like three, three things blowing up when someone called you. But nowadays, it's like people will take out their phone to record you before they mm-hmm. help you. Yeah, And that is the scariest thing for me, it's what we used to be. Let me get down CPR. Let me call nine one one. It's like, hold on. Let me just let me just film this, and that's it, right? What happens to just enjoying yourself? Everything's got to be captured now, and it's it's uh, insane. TD, what what are your thoughts on on society today with how we handle situations? I think attention is a new currency. That's why you're seeing that happening so much. I feel like today people want attention a lot more than anything else because they see it it. Sometimes uh, brings profit. People are like they turn it into people uh, um, have used attention to turn it into streams to make uh, income. But I I don't think the generation now like they don't they're robbed of that moment of just enjoying the moment. And I will say this like when I'm with certain friends of mine or my family, I don't want to pull out a phone to to capture this moment because this moment belongs to me. This is personal. And I don't think the generation understand what's personal anymore. Or what's like, what's to be kept private. They don't, the lines of privacy and attention is just, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever. It's just, it's just, it's just so cautious to win. I'm just going to do whatever. I'm just going to take my phone out and this is not an appropriate moment, but I'm going to watch someone get, you know, like watch someone drown. And this is going to get me likes or views on YouTube or Instagram. And this is worth it to me. Yeah, listen, attention is currency is like one of the greatest things that you could have said. That was a great statement. It couldn't be more true. I mean, in Toronto, where we sort of all are, we saw Chair Girl, right? Like, we don't know this girl's name, but we know that she threw a chair from the balcony of her condo onto a highway and is infamously known as Chair Girl. We have used social media to elevate people who 
dance for 30 seconds on on an app and now they're getting paid they're they're being made famous and i understand listen for a 50 and 16 year old kid or someone who's putting out content like i'm not about trying to take away your bag like i'm all about supporting those who who want to succeed but i think we also send a little bit of the wrong message sometimes to the next generation where it's you know instant fame is what you need to look for as opposed to working hard and putting in for the grind and it's leading to a lot of people especially at a younger age with like suicide when they're getting bullied online they post something and they're not getting a ton of likes or comments they think that their life is over it's it's very sort of silly um Kapo, what what are your thoughts what do you what do you think about you know social media's impact on today's generation and how we're we're forming the future oh man um it's not good at all. The, the direction we're heading is not good. We have a few things, I think, that are playing factors. Other than the music, a lot of kids are on hard drugs and messing with drugs and stuff. So it messes with their mind. And then they're listening to music. And then that with everything mixed up is a bad combination. We we talk about medication, and obviously medication is more accessible nowadays to 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 anybody, whether it's you know through their parents or things that they can get. I always talk about today's parents are more worried about being friends than they worry about being parents, and they're more worried about being mm-hmm. liked by their kids, thinking that that's the proper way to raise them. And again, as a, as a young parent, someone who only has you know a four year old and a soon to be two year old and a baby on the way, I don't know it all, but I know what I see. I work with children. I've worked with children all my life, and the ones who end up growing up to have some challenges are the ones who don't have the person directing them down the right way of being able to, you know, think properly and understand right from wrong. And we're not doing favors to some of these kids when we don't establish what a proper role model should be. Instead, they're seeing role models on the gram. They're seeing role models on Twitter or on, you know, MTV. Well, people don't watch MTV anymore, but like on TV or in TV shows and, and they think that that is the way that they have to live. And what people forget is that that's one of 7.5 billion people on this earth doing it. Yes. It's not everybody in the world. And part of that is, you know, participation trophies. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh, man. Because, <laughs> and, and I, okay, perfect. That's the reaction I want. I want to talk about it. Participation trophies for me are like, we're sending the wrong message. Now, I'm not about making it always about winning and losing but but that is life life is about putting in the work to be able to succeed not everybody gets to become a doctor just because you show up not everybody gets to become a lawyer just because you show up right you actually have to possess skills in order to do some of these jobs and giving participation trophies sure keeps people still wanting to do it but that's also why we have degrees of being able to keep score, different levels of you know sports teams or accolades. Of you know, Reno, talk about it. You you reacted. What 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 are your thoughts on participation trophies? Well, before we get into that, I had a I had a, a point that I wanted to bring up earlier when you were talking about um, social media and the effect it's happening, ha- uh, like it's having on society. I actually recently, probably like an hour or two before we shot we shot this podcast, I was um this was crazy. I was watching Willie D's live and he actually was talking about this one kid that did a prank. He pretty much did like a robbery prank. Like he ran up to someone and was trying to pretend that he was robbing them. And he did it in a state where they have the right to to carry and the dude lit him up. Killed him. I believe he killed him actually. Yeah, Jeez. So, I, heard, I heard that uh, story. So people are literally dying for clout. People are literally dying for just the opportunity to get some attention. You know what I mean? Um, so I just wanted to say that first. Can you give me what your, your question was after that again? Just so I... Participation trophies. You know, what what, oh, are, what are our yes. thoughts on, on just giving out awards for simply showing up? I, I don't agree at all because I think it like, it creates this system where you get adults that act like babies where you know what i mean like just because i tried i should have i should have won or just because i participated i should have won but life isn't like that like when you're 
when you're adult when you're an adult you're held accountable and if you put in the work you will reap the benefits but if you don't put in the work you're you're not going to reap the benefits just cuz you participated doesn't mean you're going to for example, the person working in the mailroom, just because he works in the company, doesn't mean eventually he's going to be the CEO. He can't have CEO expectations. But if I you like go it. based on how they're teaching a lot of people now, I shouldn't even say people, children, they're given these participation awards and then kids are going to get older and expect to actually get that when they're adults. And it doesn't exist when you're an adult. Between yeah. school and just the whole system, I feel like it really doesn't prepare children for 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 adulthood at all right from not teaching you your taxes in school you know yeah, what i yeah. mean from not teaching you how to grow grow plants or nothing what if what if worst case scenario let's say we had to grow our own food how many people do you really think even know how to do that even though it's it's fairly simple but how many people do you really think are going to be able to pull it off they, they've never been taught some people have never planted anything in their life so I think there's so many skills that we need for life that we're just not taught. And now you're leaving it to social media to teach these kids things. You have adults acting a fool on social media. So imagine what it's doing to children. Yeah. If I could tackle on something to what, what uh, Reno said, like um, well, something I, I just like I noticed is that someone born in a, a child born in 2000, and it's going to be 21 this year, right? Social media came out in social media, like Instagram, Facebook. I guess it came out of, in a bit in, I don't, I don't remember the year exactly, maybe 06, 07. And let's say Instagram, the, the major one, it was, came out in 2010. That's only 10 years ago. So, so a child born in, 20, in 2000 has spent half his life on social media. That's new for, for us in, uh, on, this, on, this, um, on this panel because... Like we were, you know, we're a little bit older and we kind of grew up, we had television and television came off at a certain time. So you watch Saturday morning cartoons and at 12, Saturday morning cartoons end and everything else was gone. And you you went on about your day. You went outside to see your friends. Summertime, you rode your bike to see your friends. You hung out. And those memories you kept with you. This generation are the ones which we're all a part of, but the younger the younger guys are they spend half their life on social media. Like you, you just got to take, like, think about that for a second. So they, they think everything is social media, their world and their existence is social media. So all, all the ridiculous things we see happening and they're, and like the, 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 the common sense things where common sense should be applied. It's like, Hey, you know, it just seems to just get thrown out the window. So uncommon nowadays, common sense. Well, that's, that's the one thing that I, I grew up, saying is you know common sense is not so common right when you when you have an expectation for someone the only thing that you can really it can really lead to is disappointment what the moment you have expectation for for others and you hold them to a certain expectation chances mm -hmm. are you're setting yourself up for failure because you're mm -hmm. not necessarily basing it on what they are capable of your your thing your expectation is based on what you want to have happen and that's a little bit challenging but you brought up a really good point you know social media being so prevalent in, in kids lives today you know we are as some people like to call in in the in the woke movement in the woke generation where it's 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 real cool when there's social injustice happening across the United States to throw up a black page, a black square on Instagram out of solidarity. But then what comes after, right? right. Like you're in, in the moment you're, you're, you're being there for your friends, for your community. But how many people truly understand, you know, we're in February right now, the mm -hmm. origin of Black History Month. Like everybody just in their mind is programmed to know, okay, February 1st to February 28th, 29th, it's going to be a month. We're going to call it Black History Month. We're going to learn about it in school. Probably the only time we're really going to learn about black history in school is during the month of February. But where did this start? Why did this come to be? We're just programmed to, to know this is what we're going to do. But it's crazy because, you know, our generation who grew up using encyclopedias and textbooks more often than not to find answers, not so much Google, maybe now in our older days, we can, we can Google all of our answers, but kids nowadays aren't going to pick up anything. They're not really going to grow up reading anything outside of maybe, you know, Wikipedia. If I had to give you 
a percentage. We're going to play over under for this one. I'm going to give you the number 40%. If, if we said people born after the year 2000, how many of them, and we'll use Canada's population, let's say, how many of them know the origin of Black History Month? What would you say? Let me start with UTD and then we'll go around, we'll go around the horn. Percentage-wise? Percentage-wise. Is it over 40 or under 40%? I would say definitely under 40%. Capo? Same thing. Reno? I, I, I'd say around like 3%, something really <laughs> small, like something really small. And, I'll, and, I'll, 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 no, continue, sorry. No, and so when, when we see all of, you know, George Floyd – and we see all of these incidents, Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, and we see all of these things, and we see our you know superstars wearing jerseys, T-shirts, sitting out games, protesting, and all of us who look up to those people are throwing up black squares or saying, hey, we're, we're here with you. We're going to be allies in the struggle. We're going to help elevate the platform. You know, that lasts for only a couple of weeks, but like this is the moments, and these are the things that we really need to do. We need to understand. We don't need to ask our friends how we can help. Yeah. We yeah, we need I'm with you. Yeah. We need to understand that we when we want something, we Google, we figure it out, you know, on our own. We research. We need to do that right now. Because asking what we can do to help is being a part of the problem. Because if you're living through this for your entire life. And this is just, you know, unfortunately something that you're used to. You're used to being pulled over. You're used to seeing some of your friends or family not make it past a certain age because of something that they have no control over, like the color of their skin. Asking how you can help is not going to do anything for them. You need to be able to do it. TD, what are your thoughts? You know, when... Did you have anybody reach out to you when all this stuff was going down being like, oh man, crazy what's going on? You know, how can we help? We want to be there. What should we do? Not at all. Nope. Just okay. the same same things you mentioned, the black screen, the BLM polls, the typical social media um, hive, uh, whatever, whatever the crowd is doing, whatever the cloud is of the day, this is what I'm doing. I'm putting up a, um, a black square. I'm just going to, you know, Justice for Breonna Taylor, but nothing ever to me or asking me anything about, hey, what is it that, you know, tell me something about what's going on that I can help. No, I haven't had that. Kapo, what about you? No. I've had a few discussions with people from like other races and stuff like that about it, but not necessarily to that level. Just the it's messed up kind of thing. Reno? I'll make it quick. None. I'll make it quick. <laughs> I'll make it super fast. Nice. I mean, people say they understand. Um, people say, you know, I, I understand. I, you know, like, okay. I don't know what that means, but. Right. <laughs> and, I mean, so, so that, so that's a great comment. You know, when, when someone says they understand how, how can they really understand what sort of struggle, what sort of situation have you ever been in where, you know, we see some of these things going for a walk late at night, sleeping in your own home. When have, when has anyone, ever had to experience fear out of sleeping in their own home. And I can tell you right now, it's only one set of, of people that you know, because no white person, no Mexican people, no people of any other race have that issue where they close their eyes at nighttime and they have to worry if someone's going to barge in and especially the police, right? Like the, like that's, it's one of the craziest things. Um, but like, what would you like to see moving forward of other than like these black squares and, you know, what is, what is the real way that, that people can effectively change and start to bring equality the way that it really should have been from the beginning? Treat people how you treat yourself. A tale as old as time, right? Do unto others yeah. as you would want done unto you. TD? I 100% agree with that. I think it needs to start from the, from the top down as well. I think um, we need to take a look at the the systems we've set up and that are still in place and are being perpetuated. Um, we need to be honest with each other and just be, just be honest with what's going on and what it is. Call it like it is. Call it like we see it. 
and sit down and have some kind of reform. I know we all say that it's so uh, cliche thing. Oh, let's sit down and talk about it, but actually really talk about it and talk about everything is what I think needs to be done and kind of undo some of the, um, the structural things people have put in place over years to profit one over another. I think you guys know what I mean, you know? Biden's going to help us with that though, right? I, He's gonna help me? America when it comes to. No, I'm just I'm just throwing out random comments. Oh, oh nah. I just find it. I find it funny when people look towards people that have been in a system that has oppressed us, and yeah. then they get into a higher role or sorry, a higher position within government, and then we believe that just because they got promoted to a higher level of government, now they're gonna just change everything and they're not gonna do what they did in the past. The crime bill is a thing of the past. We're going to elevate to a new level. I'll let Kofwats. I, I, I have strong opinions on this. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> just tear down a systematic structure. If the whole system was originally built off of systematic racism, you have to really go to the roots of the tree. That's a fact. I, th- I think any time you have to choose between two people, for anything, mm. you're already limiting the proper exactly. candidates. Exactly. Right? Mm. Like you're already putting into a vacuum, you know, a Manchurian candidate, for instance. Someone who like I, I and maybe maybe Trump was like the exception to this, but every other president, prime minister, outside of dictators in communist parties are basically a puppet for what the party wants them to do. They're a figurehead. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a it's a figurehead position, whereas you, outside of Trump, can't really affect change without your party backing you. And, you know, Trump was maybe a little bit, like, different because he would pop off and, and, and probably be the most honest as any politician has ever been. I mean, he wasn't yeah. really a politician mm-hmm. despite being the president. Yeah. But, you know, he didn't mince words like you knew where he stood with his policies with his decisions and that's the most transparency that we've ever sort of had in any government position um if you had to reform the way that we look at democracy uh one do you think that there is a better system and two do you think that people would ever be open to changing the democratic process uh, start with you, TD. I don't think people understand the um, the system that they they just told who the fall guy is. So you get a fall guy, you get the other guy, and it's like you're gonna prop this guy up to make you like him, and you're gonna like this guy because we tell you to without doing any history or any background or anything on this guy, and you're gonna accept the guy that we kind of um, give to you. You know I me, mean? we, we continue this package. I kind of to me, I'm frustrated with the system. I don't understand why we still. Um, believe in the political system when it's over and over again, it's showing us the same thing. Like we get a bad guy then we get a good guy. And then we put, we put the, the good guy in because of the bad guy. And then the good guy does absolutely nothing. <laughs> and we do it all over again in four years. And it's just the same thing over and over again. And that's what I mean when I say people don't understand necessarily the political system that they claim to be a part of and the democracy they claim to love. I think you need to take a closer look at the democracy. Take a closer look at the um, the, the stuff you're being told. Examine it. Ask questions. Hey, when it comes to democracy, right? I might have my foil hat on a little bit too tight for this one, right? But what's going on right now while we're talking about democracy? There's a lot of censorship going on. This this is the capo that I want. In my opinion, if you ask me, we're slowly going towards a quote-unquote communist China government regime type of regime. And, and people don't even know yep. none the wiser now this this is the version of capo i wanted to come out because for any of you guys who don't follow capo on instagram uh, i've listened to him on the podcast sometimes capo can be a little bit conservative but let me tell you nothing conservative about <laughs> his instagram he will tell you how it is he's got tons of great views and and i think that's important i think it's it's what people need to hear. A lot of people are thinking it, but they're afraid to say how they feel. And that's when you have that sort of hive mentality where people can't think for themselves. They can't do for themselves. They, they don't want to be left behind or on, on the outskirts. So they'll just join whatever, you know, topic anyone's talking about and, and just blindly say, you know, yes, I believe in this and no, you know, I don't like this because all of my friends say this, um, we're losing individuality. We're losing personality and, we're starting to be 
you know, cloned, I would say, when it comes to some of the things, you know, and you're crucified if you don't buy into the hive mentality. And it that's that's terribly, terribly unfortunate. People like being told what to do. They they want to be told what to believe. They don't they don't know how to think for themselves or like ask questions. It's just like it's like going to go along with the system, whatever the system is. It's too much I don't responsibility. Want to yeah. Because if I know more, then it, 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 I'm required to do more. If I learn more about what's going on, it requires me to, to step into action. And some people just don't want to do that. Look, I don't want to interrupt my normal way of life. So I'm just going to check here, check there, and that's it. <laughs> just do do your thing, you know, clock in, clock out, and go home and, and you know, breathe a sigh of relief. And then, you know what, you put your face on, you do it again. It's it's interesting because it's it's very similar to an episode of Black Mirror. That we saw with, uh, oh, I can't remember, I always screw up her name, Dallas Bryce Howard, um, where it was all about like getting ratings and reviewed. And that's how you were sort of viewed within your community. And and that's really what it is, right? Like you want to be liked so oh. much that the opinion of other people matters more than your individuality or you being able to think. What's up, Kappa? What, what are you thinking? Doesn't that sound a lot like the social score in China? There's a, there's a social score in China? Oh, you don't. Oh, <laughs> I want to hear this. Talk, talk oh, about man. it. Talk about it, man. You pretty much graded by a social score in there. If you cross the street, okay. Let's say you jaywalk. They have like these things that um these cameras everywhere with face recognition, and if you jaywalk, that actually takes down your social score. So little things like that actually take down your social score. So these are things that are being implemented in other countries already. TD, did you know about this? No, I did not know about this. No, this is new to me. Yeah, this sounds like an episode of uh, one of my favorite shows, Community. Um, I don't know if any of you guys ever watched Community. Oh, but I love that show. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, the juju beans and their juju rating and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy to think that this is a kind of thing that happens. But like, let's be honest, I, I'm not surprised hearing any of that. I'm maybe surprised it took so long to sort of happen because we've been trending towards this with all of our, you know, social media likes and views and content, this and content that and subscriptions. I mean, Instagram has flirted with the idea to remove likes from its pictures to try to promote a healthier social media that went out the window after about a week when people didn't like it. Um, but participation points, that's this, that's part, that's the same thing again. <laughs> Continue. So I just had to throw that in there. No, no. And, and you're right. And it's just one of those things where it's, 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 it's crazy because we are social robots. Like we are being groomed into what, uh, what companies and conglomerates and, and, you know, these massive companies want us to be. And, you know, it's hard to be a free thinker. It's it's kind of like the matrix a little bit where you're just like plugged in and you just go about your day, but you're not really living in, in reality. And I got a couple, couple nods from Capo and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know where we are in five to 10 years. Like, I don't know, you know, where we are in like two to three years, to be very honest. You know, I don't want to get into the topic of vaccines because we could be here for probably about oh, four man. to five, four mm. to five hours. Oh. Um, yes. but it's, it's, it's very interesting when, you know, even for the fact that you have big box stores open and small businesses are shut down, like, yeah. wh- how, how is that conceived? Why does that, why does that matter? Why can't you implement the same policies across the board and ha- allow small businesses the opportunity to be able to have two customers in their store? That may be 25% of their square space or the square footage. Why not give them an opportunity? But I mean, COVID has taken over the world and it's the well, first time. How about time the that fact that you can, you can protest, a hundred people can protest, but only five people are, was it five, is it 10 or five can gather in a household, but I can yeah. protest with, uh, with 99 other people I don't know. Okay. Or, or what about all those, uh, all those doubles that were at the Super Bowl halftime show in Florida in very close proximity? It's just one of the, it's just one of those things where it, it gets a little, gets a little crazy. Um, I want to quickly transition because I know we have some other things to talk about. It got kind of got kind of real there, like an of episode course. of the politics as usual. Um, <laughs> you know, because this is this is the kind of thing that you guys like to talk about. And, and I always say, if if you're doing a podcast and you have people commenting or texting you or and saying, "Hey, I really like this episode," but like I disagree with your take on this, then you're doing things right. 
when you're able yep. to elicit that sort of like emotion or commentary, it means people are listening, people are engaged and people want to have a conversation. And I know on Thursdays, normally I'm in Reno's DMs being like, bro, listen, that TD guy, I don't know what he was talking about when it was, you know, <laughs> greatest boy bands of all time or, or this or that, or I mean, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you're eliciting the conversation. Have you ever argued with a friend about the best sports movie? There's really no argument. It's obviously Caddyshack. What are you talking about, Adam? I guess you've never seen the hurricane. Denzel is on fire in that one. And if it's not Caddyshack, it's clearly the big Lebowski. We can all agree on that, right? Is that even a sports movie? Instead of arguing, let's agree to watch every sports movie ever made and rank them. I mean, we could record a podcast. What would we even call it? Real sports with two E's, like a reel of film. How are you both forgetting Remember the Titans? Remember is in the name. Ah, oh, jeez. Do you actually like sports movies or you just got a thing for Denzel? Can Listen and subscribe to Real Sports on iTunes or Spotify. A lot of great film. Great. I, I don't think that means what you think it means. I want to talk about the, po the the podcast just a little bit. You know, how how are you guys finding the Politics as Usual podcast, the following, the response? Why did you guys feel like this is something that you guys wanted to do? I'm going to start with UTD and then we'll go around the horn. To be honest, uh, how this podcast started was uh, Reno and I, we would see each other, you know, bump into each other and we'd have conversations and our conversations would be, you know, like from all the things we just talked about from politics to music and everything else. And he's, and we, and, you know, I guess collectively we said to each other, yo, we should do a podcast. And, you know, you always say things, but you know, <laughs> and then, and no, and, and, and he hit me up and he's like, are you still, you still hungry? You still want to do this? I'm like, Yes, and I and we saw that there's a niche for this, especially in the Canadian in the Toronto market. And not to take shots at anyone else, but I just find that there's a lack of um, uh, versatile information. Like you, like you, we're kind of like a one-stop shop. You get everything from us, you right. know. And we and the response that we're getting um, from people that are like that, that where's the episode? Oh man! And I'll get a call on Thursday. I get a phone call on Thursday. What? I can't believe this. <laughs> you, oh, and, and people get fired up and I'm like, man, I saw something there. I'm like, you know what? That's exactly what I like. I like that people have, um, it, it, it pol it's polarizing. It gives you an opinion. You have, you're either, you're either, you're, you're either team TD that's that Thursday, you're either with Reno, you're either with Kapo, or you're just like, you know what? All these guys are crazy. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So that was that was just my um that's my experience thus far with the pod. Capo, how how do you find being in this group, your contributions to the podcast? You know, what is what is your overall feel of how the podcast is going so far? Almost like a finely tuned machine. Okay. I like that. Everybody gels, everyone brings something different to the table. Uh, I love it. And would you say that you are team TD or team Reno most of the time, or do you feel like, listen, I'm just team Capo all the time. These guys are crazy. Uh, it's a good one. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm always team Capo, but there's times I agree on different points. Yeah, Both of them okay, bring true. quite valid and arguments to points and stuff. So it all depends. I'm going to come back to you in a second, Capo. Reno, we've talked about this many a times. You know, how, how is the podcast change the way you look at things and how much more work good work is it than you initially thought it would be i'll actually say it was easier than i thought like don't get me wrong there was a lot of like hiccups along the way um just from like buying certain things instead of buying something else where it could have been cheaper and more effective like the recorder that you told me to get instead of the one that i had before like so it's thing it's things of that nature but Relatively speaking, it's been pretty. It's been pretty easy. Like once you get everything set up, from an audio standpoint and a visual standpoint, it's just putting the content out and being consistent. I feel like in this game, it's all about consistency. Like I was just looking at um Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, and he was like at a thousand plus episodes. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like he just uh, struck that deal, I believe, last year with a uh, Spotify, right? So yeah. um. I've been kind of, I've been kind of like impressed. Not even kind. I've been very impressed with how these two gentlemen have formed Voltron with with me and just <laughs> been going crazy. Because I'll, I'll tell you right now, like there's been a lot of moments where we've had back and forths, and it's like it's been 
it's been honestly it's been pretty inspirational to look at how it all came together and then after kind of just sit there and go wow a lot of the podcasts that i watch were not too far from that you got to gain the traction of course yeah but yeah. from just a content standpoint it's not too far off right and even seeing the work that you've been doing like i think it's just been a a collective effort because like you have your own podcast but it's like i feel like you're like an unofficial member of the politics <laughs> as usual podcast yeah, 100%. right you know what i mean yeah. like you've given us a lot of tips and a lot of games so yeah, it's like 100%. i think it's just been a great journey it's been very fruitful you know what i mean it's good to see all the different countries you reach to see people that you yeah. know like you know what i mean there's been a lot of people that i was like i'm gonna do a podcast and they're like all right, Reno. Like, I, I know they, they were like, okay, all right, you're going to do a podcast. And I know some of those people are hitting the likes like, what? He he told me. People were in my DMs like, nah, you kept it real. You told me last year you were doing it. And, you you, you know, you followed up. You know what I mean? So just overall, it's been a great experience. You know, Almost a year ago today, I'm pretty sure we had a conversation when, you know, COVID first started to happen and, you know, microphones and headphones were selling out all over the country. And we said, you know, listen, everyone and their mom is going to start a podcast, but like, this is where you do your work. This is where you grind because in a year's time, you know, nine months, 12 months, 16 months from now, all of those people are going to fall off. They're going to return yeah. back to their jobs. They're going to lose interest in it because the market is oversaturated, which never really happened with podcasts. Like there, yep. to me, there's never an oversaturation of it because there's such a niche for each and every voice that has a podcast. And I, and people sometimes can get that competitive edge. This might be the only time where I'm a big fan of the participation medal. And that is I'm a, I'm a community guy. You know, yep. I don't look at the politics as usual podcast as competition. I don't look at, you know, Joe Rogan as competition. And that's not to say, you know, you can't hold a, a flame to me. It's mm-hmm. we're all doing our things yep. and it's better when everyone is successful. When yep. podcasts are taking off, that's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for Joe. It's good for Andrew Schultz. It's good for Joe Budden. It's good for everybody. And so yes. why not continue to put out fire content in our different voices and our different ways on our different platforms? Cause we just elevate each other. And I'll be very honest. There has been no group that has elevated my podcast more than the politics as usual podcast, whether it's sharing a story, sharing Thank a video, man. commenting, you know, providing feedback. You guys have been phenomenal and i've been i've been on reno's case for the longest time where's the video when's the video coming out what is happening and now (laughs) you guys have finally launched where what has the feedback been so far since you've changed and elevated your platform onto the onto youtube i mean when we started um we started uh, when we started video. I was excited myself, you know, because I'm a big fan of the podcast too. Because you know, it's uh, it's it's one of my, you know, I like it, we, like we talked about it, and now it's happening, you know. So it's one of my. Oh man, I can't even. I feel I treat like a kid sometimes, you know. I want to make sure I'm, I'm very meticulous in how it looks and how it sounds and everything. But so far, the visual people are just man, we couldn't wait. You know, it's more of a. It's about time. Yeah. That's the more the feedback I'm getting. Asked. About time you guys get on video. What are you guys waiting for? So that's the, that's the more of the, uh, the the feedback I'm getting now. When that, now that we're on video, and yeah, I I, I know that we're only going to grow from here. Kappa, what is it like now to be able to throw your own videos on Instagram and to get the amazing feedback from your fans of the podcast? I think it's dope, but the people I really wanted to hit hard with the most was probably like my family members and stuff. They they were showing a lot of love and support to us. Yeah, so I love that. But touching other people in other countries and stuff like that—that's a that's a huge bonus. So speaking of which, Reno, you're are you if you're the stat guy, you know what is the coolest place that you have seen the podcast reach so far in the last you know in the last year? Maybe Malaysia. Okay. Okay. That threw me for a loop. Colombia <laughs> was cool. Like there's oh, okay. been some like off brand ones, like so yeah. There's been there's been some some countries where I was like, really? I think even Dubai, I believe we had Dubai a couple of times. So those threw me for a loop. 
Germany, and I think uh, we had Argentina too. Like, okay, yeah, Mexico. Very nice. I've just recently been discovered in the Dominican Republic, so the DR okay. have just been. And it's it's always funny when you look at the statistics. You see, like you know, all of your your catalog being downloaded, and it's like mm-hmm. you know the Dominican Republic, like you know, couple thousand episodes. You're like, all right, one person found my podcast in the DR, and you just see like yep. episode one through you know thirty or whatever. And it's it's one of the yep. coolest uh, one of the coolest things. Now, uh, we had like a game plan as to what we were going to talk about, and I feel like we didn't execute on any of that whatsoever <laughs> but i but i do want to come back to uh to a story of my first interaction with capo and it's interesting because it came, off of a, it, it came as a criticism after a self-proclamation and the self-proclamation was that capo was the marvel guy not a marvel guy he was the Marvel the guy. Marvel guy. <laughs> and don't, then don't, don't. almost <laughs> immediately could not remember if Blade was a Marvel or DC character. Now, if someone asked you a question and you, you know, said the wrong answer, it would be totally cool. But the moment you preface your knowledge or your expertise in something, and then you get hung up. It becomes a little bit challenging. So I'm on Instagram. Yeah, in that one. Yeah. yeah. I'm on Instagram and um, I'm, I know that uh, I have Reno on Instagram. I didn't know TD didn't have Instagram or at least wasn't talking. And so I initially made a comment to Capo actually thinking it was TD being like, Hey, listen to, listen to that uh, episode. But man, Capo's take was just off. And then, Capo responds like, wait, you had a problem with what I said? And I immediately <laughs> foot in mouth was like, oh my God, I thought this was TD because his Instagram handle has didn't have anything to do with Capo or anything. And I'm just like, oh, maybe it's TD. And, yeah. and I'm yeah, just like, I oh, I'm, su- I'm sweating. I'm like, I offended this guy. And I'm like, tried to quickly backtrack, throw it in reverse. <laughs> But it was it, it was it was funny because it, it came out of that. But um, you know, TD in, in our in our sound check last week, you know, you brought up a great point about um, the impact that Blade has really had in the Marvel universe. And I love comic books, and so I want to touch on this before we sort of get out of here. But you explained to me that there was a significance of the role that Wesley Snipes and the Blade character in Marvel had. And how we may not actually be 20 movies deep at this point in the new MCU without them. Can you share a little bit of what you know of, of the impact that Blade had in the MCU? Oh, well, well, the the piece I saw was about him saving the entire MCU because at the time the franchise was going through a bit of a, they were kind of a bit in a rut. Some of their movies kind of, they were either stalled in production or they were like, they were there, but they were being kicked around, and Blade is the one that kind of broke the box off. In terms of sales, in terms of funding where the MCU is concerned, the, uh, the Blade uh, movies actually helped that a lot. Um, so they had to, they like, you know what, and a lot of people don't know that. Uh, that's, a, that's like a, yeah. Un, yeah, it's a lot of, it's, a, it's, mm. it's kind of unknown, so not, not a lot of people know that Blade actually, box office-wise and also comic book-wise, kind of helped Marvel give them a bit of a resurgence. Because in the '90s they kind of had the cartoons, the 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 um, the movies, the comic books were were hot in the '90s, and then the concept of making the movies, it was always there. But then when they started making it into production, I guess the time, or I guess the timing wasn't. It's timing is everything, right? So I guess the timing wasn't wasn't good. But Blade kind of came in at the right time and kind of saved the franchise, kind of like took it off the uh, took it off the ground. It's it's interesting because the MCU versus the DCEU has been like this long time battle. Yeah. And I give I give Marvel the edge only because they really revitalized their whole catalog of movies through the lesser known characters, Blade being one of them. Yes, that's right. And the other one being Iron Man. Iron Man people now see as this iconic superhero Robert Downey Jr. spun his magicness and elevated the MCU, but he is not one of the main players of the MCU. I mean, they even during production on the first movie 
are super skeptical about what the suit's going to look like, how they're going to market this. They sort of find lightning in a bottle in Robert Downey Jr. as he comes back on his, you know, resurgence world tour. You know, him and Tropic Thunder was also an iconic role, which you definitely can't do yeah. nowadays because yeah. of, you know. Cancel culture. Uh, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to have that role. But again, him in that role was kind of, it was interesting. But, you know, I love the fact the MCU has really embraced storytelling over what DC has done. And that's like Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, rinse, wash, repeat, do it again. Every couple of years, we'll just throw out a new guy. And, you know, that was the time I want to say Blade came out right around Batman and Robin was popular, I think. And I think... uh, Mm -hmm. That wasn't a time that people were necessarily looking at comic book movies, but Blade, you know, he kills it. Then you get Ryan Reynolds is is in that movie as well. Stephen Dorff is in that trilogy. I mean, that trilogy grosses over $400 million. I believe the first movie was budgeted at like 45, which is insane. That's Um, crazy. That's crazy. So so Marvel guy, (coughs) Marvel man, uh, (laughs) I want to ask you, you know, what's – what has been, in your opinion, of all of the, the MCU movies made, you know, what has been the most game-changing movie that we've seen so far? Ooh. It's a tough one. I want to say thus far, the first Avengers movie. Okay. I feel like that one brought a lot of notoriety to Marvel. Uh, listen, it's, it's hard to disagree with. I mean, they, they set that movie up Great and the way it ended, man. You you know, I won't I won't get no spoilers just in case people haven't seen it, but if you haven't seen the first Avengers, you got you got problems. Some people might um but yeah, listen, I, I think I think the Avengers is a great choice. Now, Reno, I don't know what your comic book prowess is. Um, but you know, what have you seen has been one of the most iconic impacts that, you know, the resurgence of the MCU has had in, you know, today's culture. I'm gonna go with Black, I think Black Panther was the movie mm. that, okay, Black Panther was the movie that made people that look like me feel more comfortable to tap into their actual heritage. Okay. It's one of the few times that I actually seen African Americans and African Canadians like in dashikis and tribal clothing going to the to the to the movie to watch it like they were actually right. tapping into their culture and it's um due to slavery i find that um maybe not so much in canada but i find that in america they're not as in touch with their with their african heritage right sure it's more american they're american first before african you know what i mean so i think that movie was so impactful because it really shook up the industry and it was one of the first films that you've seen of that kind of budget with a mainly black cast. So I think that really shook up the game. So I'd say that was probably one of their more, I, I probably put it as number one, like groundbreaking films. Avengers is definitely up there because you're seeing all of these characters come together. So you're seeing many different films and then they just take all those characters and put them together in one film. So it's dope to see that. But Black Panther, that was groundbreaking. That really shook up the industry. So I'd probably say that's number one to me. It's it's funny you say that because when Black Panther's made, uh, Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis get interviewed of what it was like being on a predominantly black set for this movie. Mm-hmm. And Martin Freeman's response to it was, I imagine that's how they feel. And it's like... Mm-hmm. One of the it's one of the most truthful things in the world for you to be able to identify that, you know, you're the minority in this, and now you can have a little bit of an understanding of what they experience all of the time. I mean, when was the last time that you really see a iconic outside of like Denzel and Will Smith? You don't have the same, you know, actors being these huge stars, you have your Matt Damon's and your Ben Affleck's and your Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, they all look the same. They all sort of look the believable part. But the thing about Black Panther, and I've said this on the podcast before, the elevation of 
black culture, not in a way where you talk about, you know, people going to the movies and like dashikis and in their, in their, you know, attire, you know, Mm -hmm. we see that in movies like coming to America, for instance, and it's supposed to have like a a comical side to it, Mm -hmm. but people aren't doing that for comedy. They're doing that because they finally have a movie that is elevating them to, and maybe even above some of their iconic heroes, like Captain America and Iron Man or a Thor. And they're elevating black culture. Not that, you know, Africa is some like war provished country that Wakanda is actually above everybody else when it comes to technology and advancements that they actually have to stay hidden from the world because the world's not ready for them. And I think the storytelling of black Panther, one of my favorite things, Ryan Coogler, uh, extremely happy that he has, been able to make some of the great movies that he's made uh fruitvale station creed creed 2 um obviously black panther now struck a five-year deal with disney plus or with disney to make uh wakanda tv show and to continue on the legacy of black panther within disney um, i think it's i think it was an important movie and i would have to agree with you probably the most iconic and uh, biggest movie that they have made as a company because we all know Disney's history has not been great when it comes to some of their storytelling. Yeah. Of um, course. But I think they may have gotten this one uh, correct. TD, what, what do you think about the impact of Black Panther? I was just about to say, actually, I think Black Panther was an escape because at the time when it came out, there was a lot of uh, police killing going on in the United States. And, you know, every time we see movies concerning Africa, it's always the same story. Africa's, you know, third poor and they don't have electricity and running water and there's a savior that's going to save them. And, you know, that, that narrative is repeated over and over again. But Black Panther provided a fantasy for young people, for everyone to show like, yo, this here's a technical technologically advanced city in africa yeah. that's you know that's kind of like the the superman they, they're the s on the chest like they yeah. they have vibranium and i think it's we finally had something that we could say okay like this is my escape like i can man i wish i remember i remember feeling like a child when i went to see uh, black Panther. i'm like man I, I wish wakanda was real you know here's a place yeah. of peace and just you know just and i just i, I kind of like drifted into a fantasy so I, i'm i'm glad we get to have that everyone get everyone else gets to have superman and you know where you know where everything is good and it's all great yeah. in the universe and this one guy saves the planet we get to have that <laughs> and i think that's what black panther was my superman to me and i, I think that's important because i mean there are some people that still believe that it exists and i think for kids growing up now to have the idea that this is something that they can strive for that this they can be you know the head of a company right look at like wakanda as like this a tech company for instance mm-hmm. they can they can elevate themselves where they're an industry leader where they are taking charge of something and they can be you know an owner uh, a successful person now we're still waiting to see it in our most relatable situations like like basketball sports teams like greatest players zero ownership um, NCAA, for instance, tons of black athletes in both football and basketball getting exploited by the NCAA and their rich, their rich white board of directors who profit off that at least for another two years until the game changes with that. And so finally, you know, it's time that we see the changing of tides where we can look at someone and be like, that's the guy. Like I now have a superhero I can dress up for for Halloween. Obviously, you know, an important day to both me and Capo. Um, you know, October thirty first, very important time in our lives. But for the longest time, you know, you wanted to dress up as a superhero. You had to be Batman or Superman or something where you also had to like hide your skin color because you know everybody knows yep. Superman's not black or Superman's yep. not brown. In my mm-hmm. case, but now you can have people like. Black Panther, Killmonger, Storm, like one of the most fierce ladies out there. I mean, you finally start to have some role models that you can identify with. And I think that is something that's so important for especially kids growing up that you can identify with people who are having success. I am one of the biggest allies when it comes to women in sports, having two young girls. I love when women succeed because – it allows me to have a peace of mind knowing that my daughters will have role models that look like them. 
and they can say, mommy, I can I be like vice president. I can be prime minister. I can be a superstar athlete. I can be this. I can be that. And there are no limitations. There are no barriers because women right now in today's generation are fighting that battle. So my daughters don't have to. And for me, that's true. I'm extremely appreciative for that. Um, and I want to talk the last thing to sort of take us out. I want to go back to the podcast. You guys have killed it on your audio platforms. You're now up on, on YouTube. Where can people find the podcast? Uh, which platforms, where can they listen? We're on Spotify, Google, Amazon, pretty much any any pretty much anywhere where you can find podcast audio. You just type in the Pod Six as usual podcast, and we're right there. You'll see that tower that you see right there on Cobble's <laughs> chest and in the back, <laughs> and you know that's us. And on for video, our YouTube is the Politics as Usual podcast. So if you're looking for any of that content. You know where to go. And I want to definitely shout out Julian. You killed that that interview with Donovan Bailey. I wanted to make sure I put that out there. You Fire. killed that. Fire. You <laughs> killed that. Appreciate it. Listen, uh, you guys are family. You guys are a part of my Ohana, which is the whole reason I started this podcast to begin with, to have conversations like this. I feel like the unofficial fourth member of, of the politics as usual podcast usually what? like maybe like the ghost writer in the back with the commentary <laughs> uh but listen it's it's been fun it's like you know time flies we're already you know just over an hour we're gonna have to bring you guys back and and do this again because there's still so of much course. stuff that uh we didn't get an opportunity to talk about but uh Thank you for coming on the show. Extremely uh, appreciative of you guys taking the time, getting your lighting right, TD, um, making sure that uh, you guys are, are all here and not freezing too much like Capo earlier in the podcast. Uh, good times. Love you guys. Um, listen, you can find the Big O Podcast as well as the Politics as Usual podcast on all your major audio platforms full episodes and videos on youtube so make sure you hit that subscribe button you hit that little bell for the notifications you hit that like button download the episodes comment in on the videos review on apple Podcasts, five stars show some love for my guests td capo and reno i am your host julian ortiz thank you for watching and listening see you next time everybody